Hey, good Wednesday, I guess still morning, and welcome into the 573 Report, also known this week as the last thing I have to do for the next 48 hours. Knock on wood. Um, we have put out a polite request on our Tuesday recruiting show that any recruits who decide to commit, um, please not do so on Thursday. We will see how that goes. Um, if there is breaking news this afternoon or Thursday, we will cover it. But to be honest, we are rooting against breaking news for the next 48 hours. Uh, busy time for 573Ts, who sponsors this show every single week. Actually just saw a tweet about 10 minutes ago that said they are upgrading their website. Hopefully by this afternoon, they will have options of in-store pickup and uploading custom designs for your own t-shirts. So keep an eye on 573Ts.com. I would imagine there might be some Black Friday or holiday uh Specials coming up. Um, it's the time of year that you need to buy things for people. And for the Mizzou fans in your life, what better uh, idea than checking out 573Ts573Tees.com for some Christmas gear and uh, help out a Power Mizzou sponsor and all good things there. So speaking of holidays, we have one on Thursday. Um, Mitch, we're getting everything done in advance so that we can – get settled in on our respective uh, couches by about what I guess it's 2:30 this year on CBS. Has that game not always been played at 1:30? Am I, am I making that up? Uh I honestly I'm not totally sure. I feel like there's been at least once or twice it was earlier, like more like noon or 11, but I I don't know. I'm I, it all kind of runs together. It's always just like a, a gloomy gray sleety type day. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving. So, you know, one of those days where like time doesn't really matter. It's just like the sun sort of comes up, hides behind the clouds for a little bit, then it sets again. Right. Fair. And I, somebody said it was actually going to be like 50 degrees. I don't think this game is contractually allowed to be played in nice weather. Some of the most miserable days in the history of the states of Missouri and Arkansas have been the Friday after Thanksgiving with this game. But, um, I don't know. We'll start with football. We'll talk a little basketball later. And if you guys have questions or comments, feel free to uh, put them in the comment section. We will certainly get to them in the second half of the show. Um, appreciate you joining us live while you're probably either trying to leave your office or not actually even in your office for the full day. Um, but this game to me, Mitch, is the difference between saying you salvaged the season and actually maybe having a good season. Like, it seems weird, but eight wins is technically still on the table here for this team. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, especially because a couple of weeks ago, people were talking about this being a four-win team. And even I, at one point, you know, not too long ago, was saying I, I would be probably be a little bit surprised if they even got to six. Not that it was impossible, but that, you know, I thought that there was a less than 50% chance. So, yeah, obviously that's a good thing. And we talked a little bit on Monday about, you know, does it feel more gratifying to get to six wins given how they got there? Or is it still disappointing based on what your preseason expectations were? And while, while obviously that's up to the individual, it's also the season's not over. Like we could still get to theoretically the eight win mark. A lot of people were talking about or the seven win mark that I was talking about um, coming into the season. So yeah, I, I think that getting the sixth win is always more important than seven, even, you know, like even if, if, if you expected to win more than six, uh, you know, seven's nothing like that's going to, get you to a New Year's Six Bowl or anything like that, and Six is going to get you to a bowl. So that's, you know, that's the more important one. But I think this would go a long way towards just kind of the program being able to sell uh, a step forward. Yeah, Six is more important, but I feel like there's a bigger difference between Six and Seven than there is Five and Six. I, I mean, it, 
at seven and five, you know, and, and bowl games are a crapshoot. If you win them, you kind of sell them. If you lose them, you kind of just say you were seven and five and, and you pretend <laughs> it didn't happen. But, uh, but at seven and five, you know, you've had a winning season. You finished with, I guess that would be what, four wins in five weeks. Um, you've beaten a, a ranked team like Arkansas is 25th in the college football playoff. Um, so I, I feel like there's significant difference between six and six and seven and five. And, would this be like we talked last week would probably be Missouri's most impressive win of the season. If they win this week, is this week the most impressive win of the season? Yeah, I think so. Um, Cause I mean, Florida, yeah, they've, they've got talent and they've got the name, but that, that was not a good team. I mean, like they got housed by South Carolina. They just fired their coach. Like they've, they have issues and this would be going on the road, which uh, obviously has been an issue for Missouri. I believe they're, if I'm right, right. The only road game they've won this year is Vanderbilt, right? So, yeah, that's uh, that would that would definitely be, you know, and and it's you know this. I mean, beating Arkansas always is going to be mean a little bit more than than beating Florida. Like, it's not a true rivalry yet. Obviously, it's not at the level of uh, of Missouri and Kansas, but you still got some Mizzou people and Arkansas people who rub elbows. You've got the personal connections of the former coach and the former players on uh, Arkansas side. So, yeah, this would absolutely be the biggest win. Yeah, and there's always going to be guys. I mean, we've talked about. Uh, you know, Trey Williams and Markel Utzi, but like Jalen St. John, who Missouri recruited heavily is down there. Dominique Johnson, who was committed to Missouri. And I, I think at least some people around him kind of indicated that Eli Drinkwitz did him wrong on the way out is he he's run for 470 yards for Arkansas. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of connections there, obviously Barrett Bannister and Akeel Byers from Fayetteville. I, so like he said, I mean, it's not a, true rivalry yet it's it's the closest thing Missouri has right now and I think going forward it will be the closest thing they have because I think we're going to get to a point pretty soon where they're not playing Kentucky every year and South Carolina every year um but I, I guess to me what stood out about it is I think this is like it's a rivalry but I think there's actual respect there right I think Eli mm -hmm. Drinkwitz respects what Sam Pittman has done I honestly kind of respects Barry Odom as well I mean not just from the job he's done there but like I would think he would respect the guy that left him Tyler Beatty on his roster <laughs> you know and and the way yeah. he talked about the Arkansas players and team and coaches was I think different than the way he talked about Florida's maybe yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think two things. One, like the rivalry doesn't feel as forced anymore, which is kind of nice because there's some actual juice with with Odom and the players and stuff. But it's also it's not bad blood. Um, and and it, that was that was very clear just talking to the players as well. Like, you know, I think that I, I think fans sometimes, you know, they don't understand. They say like, oh, that guy left. So, you know, he's going to be hated like. You know, Mark, Mark, uh, Martez Manuel and Trajan Jeffcoat were talking about Trey Williams and Mark Elatsi, and they were just, they like lit up. They're like, oh, I can't wait to see those guys. Those are our friends. Like, yeah, I want to beat them, but like, I'm super happy to see them. And, and so, like, I think, it, you know, it, it, yeah, it's kind of a respect type thing, and both sides will want to win. Like, that's not going to impact anyone's motivation or anything like that. But yeah, even Eli Drinkwitz, you know, he, he went out of his way to really, uh, you know, really speak highly of Sam Pittman and really speak highly of Arkansas. And Steve Wilkes called KJ Jefferson, like he compared him to Cam Newton. I mean, like this, there, there very clearly is, uh, is an effort to like, you know, talk Arkansas up going into this game. Right. Because if you beat them, then look at, look at the good team we just beat. Um, Dr. Sanitary says I would rather have played the BC game later in the season. So I was thinking about this, regardless of whether it ends up six and six or seven and five, I really think there's two days that 
you look back on this season, the BC game is the first one. Like, in retrospect, Missouri should have won that game. Uh, against a backup quarterback, BC hasn't turned out to be very good. That's one. And then the second one is just nobody's going to say it should have been a win. But but the whole Tennessee thing hung over this. I feel like we're just now kind of getting to the point where people have forgiven or forgotten that a little bit. Yeah, very true. I will say with the Tennessee game, like you never want to, I never want to, I don't, I, I want to shy away from calling things blessings in disguise because I think that's overdone in sports, but like, the defensive lines looked a heck of a lot better with uh, with Al Davis, the defensive line coach, than Jethro Franklin. Like, I don't know. Maybe they make that step anyway. Like, I have maintained that Al Davis doesn't know some technique that Jethro Franklin does it. But he's pushed some button that, that I don't think was being pushed before, and, and it's made a huge difference. So, I don't know. Does that change happen, you know, if, uh, if the coaching change doesn't? Who knows? Right. So, uh, yeah, Missouri and Arkansas, 2.30 on – Friday. Friday is going to be a busy day because while Mitch is finishing up covering football, I will be over at Mizzou Arena for a much anticipated basketball game. I mean, I expect there to be dozens of Missouri fans who are excited to watch this basketball team. Here's the thing. I just hate that we're five games in and it's already what it is. I I mean... You know, and I think this is worth talking about a little bit. So they got beat by Florida State by 23 points on whatever night that was, Monday night. And I think the thing was that it wasn't surprising and it wasn't even really disappointing. And you knew that was going to be the result, like, as soon as the ball tipped. And that's the program that four years ago, Conzo Martin said, I want to model. Like, that's the model. And just in no way is Missouri – I mean, you can't look at them and say even, I think that team is trying to be that team. Like, they they don't do any of the same things on any of the same levels. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, like, you said five games in. I mean, really, we were two games in when it, the season became this. And that was the that was the take from the Uf, UMKC game, which was just kind of a bummer for us because we still have to cover every game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, my, my takeaway from Monday was just, like, Missouri looks a lot more like Central Michigan or Northern Illinois than it does Florida State. Um, and like, yeah, you know, Florida State's a good team for sure. They're, I think they're probably in the long run, probably a top 25, top 20 team. And I think that, you know, they're, they're super athletic and they will they will have games like that against ACC teams probably where they just overwhelm them and get them sped up and, and take advantage of points off turnovers and dunk the ball 47 times and win by a lot. But it just – it wasn't even close. I mean, it was a total athletic mismatch. It looked – I mean, it looked like a low-major team playing against a high-major team just from an athleticism standpoint. And, like, that's – I know you don't need me to tell you this, but that's not good. Well, and it really, the optimism coming into the season – and I want to be clear. I, like, I don't think there was a ton of optimism. I don't think most people were picking this to be an NCAA tournament or a 20-win team. You had a few outliers here and there maybe, but – even the path to, hey, let's be a little over 500 and be in the NIT was kind of geared toward, well, Deshaun Gordon is, like, he just needs a change of scenery. He'll be better than the 9-5 and five he was at, at Kansas State. And Ronnie DeGray is, you know, kind of this hidden gem. And Amari Davis is a guy who can come in and give us offense and get to the rim. And, um, you know, Boogie Coleman is Drew Smith. And to me... Those last two have been the problem 
I, I mean, look, there are problems all over. I don't want to isolate it to these two guys. But Amari Davis, away from the free throw line, has shown me nothing to indicate he is going to be able to score at a high level in the SEC. And Missouri just, if you've seen Drew Smith and Boogie Coleman's game, please point it out to me. Because right now, I don't think this team has a point guard. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the lack of a point guard is the biggest issue. Um, yeah, I mean, like, teams can get better over the course of the season. We saw that with football. It, and it probably will happen with this team with a bunch of guys who are new to each other and to the system and all that. But, yeah, like, I, I don't think, you know, obviously we're not talking about, like, 20 wins or anything like that. But even the NIT thing, like, I just don't see it because the schedule is so tough. And, like, like I said, like, just from an athleticism standpoint, I don't see Missouri matching up with some of these, I mean, you know, the Kansas, Kentucky, Illinois, um, you know, Alabama, Arkansas. Like those, that's, I just mentioned what, that's like eight of their games on their schedule. Cause they play a couple of those teams twice. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, I think the lack of point guard is glaring. Um, I think that they just, they don't have someone who can kind of settle the offense down and create for other people. Um, maybe Boogie Coleman can become that, but he really wasn't that at Ball State. And now moving up a level, I think that's kind of unrealistic to expect. Anton Brookshire, probably from a skill set standpoint, is the closest thing, but he's just not ready. I mean, he's a true freshman who didn't have any other high major offers. It was kind of unrealistic to expect him to be ready. And then I think the other thing is, you know, and not that this is a shock, but is, is the center position where Missouri kind of got exposed the other night. Um, you know, Florida State had, granted, Florida State's a unique matchup. I mean, they have like four, seven, four guys all of whom can run the floor, which is a hard matchup for anyone. But it just kind of showed like when Missouri tried to go big, which Conzo said going in, he thought they would have a, an advantage there because Florida State switches five ways. So when you get a smaller guy switched onto a Jordan Wilmore or Yaya Keita, you know, Missouri should be able to take advantage. They couldn't because they couldn't match their athleticism. So then they tried to go smaller with like Ronnie DeGray or Kobe Brown playing the five and they couldn't match their size. And so like, I think that just shows that, I mean, this, this team's ceiling is just, is just really capped by the, uh, by the athleticism. Yeah. Somebody asked in my mailbag today, if, if, you know, it's more likely that Mizzou football wins on Friday or Mizzou basketball gets to 14 wins. And I said the football game, cause it's one game versus, you know, 11 that the basketball team would have to win. But when you go through the schedule, I mean, I came up with 14 games that I can see Missouri winning, and that's Wichita State, Paul Quinn, Liberty, Eastern Illinois, Utah, Mississippi State, A&M, Ole Miss twice, Iowa State, Vanderbilt, A&M again, South Carolina, and Georgia. I mean, none of those teams are, are like world beaters. There's not a single definite NCAA tournament team on that list, although honestly, I don't think Missouri's going to win at Liberty because I do think Liberty is better, but that doesn't even include Illinois, which weird things happen. So I don't think they probably get to 14, but it is more possible than anyone wants to admit here right now because the simple fact of the matter is is there are going to be games that they're going to win that, that you look, I, I mean, believe it or not, there are going to be days they play well. I guess, which yeah. I, people have a hard I time saw seeing. I against SMU, and SMU is not any great team by any means, but SMU is probably on the level of some of the bottom-tier SEC teams. Like, Mizzou, yeah, Mizzou's going to they're, – they're not going to – it isn't going to be a Kim Anderson team. And, like, I get that, you know, everyone's down, and then everyone wants to be hyperbolic about, you know, and just kind of express how <laughs> miserable they are and upset they are about this team. Like, whatever, that's fine. But, it, like, your argument kind of gets invalidated when you talk about winning single-digit games. <laughs> Let's be clear, winning single-digit games is not impossible. Like, it could happen, but it's not a guarantee. 
you know, so I think um, it's pretty unlikely. Yeah. Um, so let's hit some questions. We've already got, you know, a few over there. If you've got one, um, hit us up and, and we'll get to it here in the, the last 10, 15 minutes of the show. Um, Josh fan says we've established Mizzou isn't any good this year. And we've also established Martin can't be fired for another year, but is there a path to this team being much better next year? And I want to be clear, like, it is not impossible that Conzo Martin loses his job after this season. I, I'm not interested in having the discussion every day between now and May 1st, but it's not impossible. But the bigger picture here, and this is why I think everybody's as down as they are, because, like, what is the path next year? I mean, the recruiting class doesn't have a guy that you look at and say, oh, he, he helps change the program, you know, in his freshman season. The only thing you know you're losing off this team is Javon Pickett, who I understand he's been bad the last couple games, but like overall probably is going to be more one of your more consistent good players. This is this is the roster Conzo picked. Like a a rebuild, a complete remake of the program in year five did not have to happen. He kind of chose for it to happen, and these are the guys he chose for it to happen with. And it's pretty much the same team next year. So I think everybody, yeah, you're upset about losing to UMKC and you're upset about what the rest of this year looks like. But you also just go, but I don't I, I don't see where the step is. Like, where, when do we get out of this? And I think that's the biggest reason for all the pessimism. Yeah, I totally, I, I can understand that completely. Um, and I, I think that's probably the, really the only compelling storyline to watch as we go through this season, right? Is like, who is, who, who, who is showing hope for the future? Who can maybe take that next step next season? Who maybe needs to be shown the door or was a miss and, and will the coaching staff move on? I will say this, like, and I know it's hard, but like, we, we really do need to keep in mind these guys have played five games in Missouri. And, you know, like some of the true freshmen, like, yeah, Yaya Keita and Anton Brookshire and Sean Duke Gordon, they're not ready right now. They could be really good college players. I have no idea. Like, it's not out of the question. Um, you know, I actually really, I really like some of what Sean Duer Gordon brings to, to the table from just an athleticism standpoint, which is one of the things we're talking about what Missouri is lacking. You know, I think Yaya Keita could definitely end up maybe even by the end of this season being a guy who can give you 20 minutes a game. Um, I think the transfers, like, you know, they could, I mean, they could figure th these things out, right? Like there was a point earlier this football season when we were saying like, oh my gosh, who does Mizzou even have at linebacker or on the defensive line for next year? And like, now it's like, oh wait, Chad Bailey might be a pretty dang good player. Um, so, you know, it, like these things do evolve and I think that's something we'll follow as the season goes on. But at the same time, yeah, you're, this isn't a situation where you're looking at and saying like, oh, we can just go out and grab four or five guys from the transfer portal. Cause there's not room for that. You're, you are either doing the same thing and admit like next year and, you know, trying to strike gold in the transfer portal again and admitting you failed at that thing a year before, or you're running it back with the same guys and saying, I think they're going to take a step forward. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's a ton of optimism around either strategy. Yeah. And that's my thing. I mean, the hoping to bring back the same guys and have them be better players, I think is, is the more likely thing because I agree. you just did this start over. Like you, now, look, some guys may leave on their own. You may end up having two or three spots and have to go get transfers. But, like, if if this thing has to be significantly rebuilt, if you need a new roster next season, the guy who put together this roster to force you to need a new roster doesn't get to put together the new roster. Like, Conzo Martin needs these guys to be good. Um, because, to me, he doesn't get to do this again. 
This was this was the rebuild, and and he talked about being excited, and it was a fresh start. And I mean, we could see it in talking to Conzo. Like, I, and this is a concerning thing to me. Like, I think he really believed this was a good team. I I really do. I think he felt good. Like, I don't think he thought they were winning twenty five games, but he was energized in the off season. And you know he. I mean, I always still go back to that team that finished under 500. He told like a million people they're good enough to win the SEC. Zero things about that team ever at any point in that season indicated to me they could even be in the upper half of the SEC, much less win it. You know, and then last year he he made the, hey, if we're 10th in this league, it's the best league in history. And he's right. They weren't 10th. They were what, 7th, 6th, yeah. somewhere around there. So they were better. He was right about that. But... I just, to me, it's reached the point where I don't even really pay attention to the the preseason comments because I don't know if it's just, hey, I'm trying to build my guys up, or if it's if it's honestly not having a reasonable expectation of what he's seeing. Yeah, no, that is very true, and uh, yeah, I agree that I mean, like you know, you you get coach speak right, and we say this every year with every sport, like don't necessarily read into everything the coach is saying, but like. In this case, it was like you could tell it was fairly sincere, his energy and his excitement about this season, um, just just by having spent some time around him and, you know, interacting with him. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the disconnect is there. Um, maybe I mean, you know, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't think they were going to be great, but he just actually did enjoy like being around them. And like he did. I don't know. Just he was like, yeah, we'll probably be bad early in the season, but I don't really care. I like the guys like I don't know. Maybe that was his thought process. It is a little bit of a concern. Yeah, and and it will be interesting, and this is not the time to ask that question, but toward the end of the season, like, we have seen Eli Drinkwitz be very honest in the last three weeks. Hey, the expectations, the potential, it was oversold, and part of that's my fault. I mean, he has flat out said that. So it will be interesting if we're talking about a team in mid-February that's sitting like 8-17 and or something, like, that's the time to ask Conzo, Hey, you seemed really to like this group. So what happened? Why didn't, were you wrong or, or where did it go? And the time to ask that question is not three and two on November 24th. There will come yeah. a time if we get there, but but we've got to see if we're there. Um, let's go back to football for Robert's question. Uh, and, and this is one I think we could have tried to answer for seven weeks, and I don't think we have an answer. But he says, is there any explanation for the Tennessee game? I went to that game and I just can't overlook that debacle and, I don't know, man. I mean, I think, and I know Eli Drinkwitz got uh, a little bit, I don't know what the right word is, defensive, um, you know, talking about how, you know, it, people shouldn't say that, that that his team quit because they never quit. And oh, on the season, he's right. But on that day, like the only explanation I can come up with is they weren't really into it to start, and they did quit on that day. I mean, you don't yeah. get beat 62-24 without at least – I'm not saying they totally gave up, but there was some give up on the field that day. Yeah, I think a few things happened. I mean, I don't think it's anything, like, crazy. I know sometimes everyone's like, oh, what's the explanation? Like, there was someone who, like, said something in the locker room that made everyone mad or something. Like, I don't think it's anything like that. I think what happened is – it. You know, Mizzou did not match up well with Tennessee's offense because they tried some weird 3-3 stack thing that Steve Wilkes has admitted. He, he actually said it makes him physically ill, and he threatened to throw up on you, I believe, uh, as a result. But they, you know, they just 
got punched in the mouth by Tennessee's offense, which scored 28 points in like three plays or something like that. That's not actually true because that's impossible. But uh, and and then they just kind of folded, um, you know, and like Connor Bays like threw a couple picks because probably he felt like he needed to score on every single play. And then it got out of hand in a hurry and they just yeah. And then they just kind of stopped trying. So I, I would say that's the simplest and probably most likely explanation. And I think we've reached a point in the season that, you never like you can't take that game away. You don't forget yeah. that it happened, but you at least can look at it as more of an anomaly now and say, "I'm not super worried that's gonna happen. That's gonna be like a regular thing going forward for Missouri." Yeah. Um, okay. The only other question I, I saw was uh, was from Doctor Sanitary. He says, "What's your feeling on Mizzou's chances with Samuel Impemba?" Uh, Sean has a story on the site. He talked to Impemba last night and. I, I don't know, but I think the feeling kind of is a little bit like the you remember when we went through like a two week period where we thought Kevin Coleman was back on the radar. I, I think it's more serious than that because he actually did visit and all that. But I also kind of don't really think it's a situation where I'd say I think Missouri has a great shot. I mean, I saw he's visiting Illinois on Friday. So it strikes me a little bit like maybe he was on holiday break and he's like, yo, Mizzou's right here. I'll go check that out. And then Illinois is right here and I'll go check that out. I, they have a better chance than they did, but I'm not at all sure. I feel like it's really a chance. Yeah, I mean, I'll defer to you and Sean. I, I frankly, I've never talked to the kid. I mean, neither um, have I. But, I want to be clear. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, I I kind of agree. Like, when you've got schools of that caliber involved in it with a kid who's, you know, gone off to play at IMG, like, it's possible. You do have the area connection. And I'm not saying Eli Drinkwitz, you know, can't land a five-star. We just saw him do that with Luther Burden. But I anytime Mizzou is in, in that kind of competition, it's just, the safe bet is to say, hey, it's kind of unlikely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is going to kind of wrap our uh, our live stuff for this week. Appreciate it. those of you who are on here watching. Hit the like button. If you listen on the podcast, which I'm going to put up after this, then then give us uh, many stars on the reviews. And uh, Mitch, a whole lot of food the next 48 hours before um, one last. Like, does it seem weird to you that this, like the football season about over? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I feel like it always goes fast, but it seems like it was especially quick this year. It really does seem like just the other day we were uh, covering fall camp. So, yeah, we're uh, we're almost done. Of course, there's still, you know, bowl practices, bowl games, all that. But, yeah. Uh, and four months of basketball. So. Yeah, well. Yeah, I guess there's also some football every, recruiting every, spring there. Maybe every, that'll give us some, every day some. of every day of basketball seems like four months right now. But kind of, yeah. All right, Mitch. Well, have a good Thanksgiving, man. And um, uh, thanks. We'll we'll let you run, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. All right, that is Mitchell Forty joining us here on the Five Seven Three Report. We are going to let him run and uh, do whatever wonderful, wonderful things he might have planned for the holiday. And I did kind of want to take this time um, to say thanks to all of you guys who have who have been a part of this and joined us. Uh, Last year, we started some of this streaming stuff because COVID kind of made it a necessity, right? I mean, we couldn't really go cover things, and we were, frankly, not even sure a lot of these things that we would normally cover were going to happen. So um, this became this was born out of, hey, we've got to find a way to do our jobs and do something in 2020. 
And before this year, I made the decision to kind of expand what we were doing as far as the live streaming and and the podcasts and turn it into a daily deal. And uh, I was really not at all sure how that was going to go. But um, the participation on the live stuff, despite us moving moving shows around and all that, has, has been good, especially, obviously, the post-game shows and, and all that. Um, but also just the number of people that are downloading these and listening to them um, on a daily basis. Uh, the numbers certainly are encouraging. And uh, I, I kind of like this quicker daily format where, hey, we can get everything done in, in you know, a 30, 40-minute show rather than feeling like we're doing a podcast and we haven't done one for a week, so it needs to last an hour. Um, so appreciate all you guys who, uh, who who have been around here. And like I said, Thanksgiving is always kind of a time where where you take stock of things. And, and I always try to try to say every year on Thanksgiving, like ultimately it's work, but we get to watch football and basketball for a living. And the only reason we get to do that is because it's important enough to you guys to spend some of your time and some of your money um, in, in allowing us to. So we, I'm not going to say we never take that for granted. Sometimes we do take it for granted, but we try not to take it for granted. Um, and uh, certainly appreciate that even though I'm going back to work on Friday, really all that means is I'm going to watch a football game then I'm going to take some calls from some people who may or may not be sober to talk about the football game, and then I'm going to go watch a basketball game. Uh, so that's pretty good, right? And uh, and the only reason it works is because you guys have uh, have decided to make it work. So thanks for that. I hope everybody has a, uh, a great holiday. You get a chance. Uh, I know a lot of people last year didn't really get a chance to, to hang out with friends and family. So I hope that you get that chance this year and take advantage of it. Um, again, there's no real hours in this job. If something happens Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning or whatever, we're going to cover it and we'll be there. We've, we've all got our devices that we're going to stay connected with. Our goal is for nothing really to happen until one o'clock on Friday. And that's when we'll start the pregame show and, and have full coverage of football and hoops that day. But, uh, appreciate it guys. And thanks one more time to five, seven, three T's again, they're going to have some upgrades on their website that hopefully are going to be up by this afternoon. If not this afternoon though, you know, sometimes technical things happen. Uh, I would certainly think, by Friday, um, you know, when when now you guys don't have to actually leave your house and deal with all the people at the stores. Like, do your shopping online. Go to 573TES.com. Get the Mizzou fan in your life, some good stuff for Christmas. Um, you know, maybe a maybe a visor to, to put on the stocking and then a couple of T-shirts to wrap up, whatever. Uh, get some stuff for your kids. Um, I know that the folks over at 573Ts will appreciate it. Just let them know, uh, whether it's by an email or on Twitter or, or if you stop by in person, that you heard about it here on PowerMizzou.com. We will talk to you guys on Friday and who knows, maybe before if something happens. But uh, appreciate you joining us. Catch up later.